Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Welcome along to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, we'll take a closer look at the new Google flagship phone, which is the Pixel 8 Pro. And I'll meet the woman behind the tech solution, hoping to stamp out cyberbullying the technological solution ingrained into the smartphones of our kids. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Instagram at jesskellynt. But first, there has been a ton of new Google devices from the Fitbit Charge 6 that I mentioned on the Pat Kelly Show on Tuesday right on through to the new flagship devices and John Riley of TheEffect.net is with me now to go through them all. John, firstly, congratulations on your recent wedding. Thank you very much, Jess. Yeah, it was a fantastic day. It seems like a distant memory now. It was all, it was only a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, it flew by. But thank you. Yeah, it was great. No, well, we're delighted uh, for you guys and obviously all good wishes and vibes, et cetera, et cetera. But on to technology. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the Google devices because people sometimes forget just how many companies Google has purchased over the years and Fitbit is one of them now the full review of the Fitbit Charge 6 is up on the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud so that was one announcement that we've had recently but then we also got a ton of new phones watches and other bits as well yeah so they had their kind of annual now made by Google event there in October early October on the 4th in New York I think it was held and yeah so to your point they acquired Fitbit a couple of years ago and as part of this event they announced the new Pixel Watch 2 the successor to last year's kind of initial or first ever Pixel Watch which is kind of it was straddling the line between being a Google Watch powered by Fitbit or Fitbit watch that just happened to be a Google product. So it was kind of, they're still getting there um, with this newer watch now with the Pixel Watch 2 anyways, they definitely seem to be integrating a lot of the kind of more standout um, health focused features into the Pixel Watch. So stuff like automatic um, activity monitoring or, or uh, tracking. So if you're out for a walk or a run, the watch will kind of clock that that's happening and it'll kick off uh, um, an activity or, or an exercise kind of routine for you, which is great. And then just even on the back in general, there's better, really more um, quite impre- improved heart rate sensors and t- body, te- body temperature sensors and the like. So yeah, it's definitely more of a robust health monitoring um, device on top of being a really kind of competent smartwatch in general for your apps, for WhatsApp, for Outlook and for all different kind of third party apps that you can uh, uh, load onto it given that it's running uh, the latest version of Wear OS. Yeah. Yeah, the, the sort of one point that I made to Pat Kenny about the Fitbit Charge 6 is that it's a great fitness tracker, but it doesn't quite hit the nail on the head when it comes to those smartwatch capabilities. And I guess that's where Google has been very, very smart, not to step on its own toes a little bit and to show the difference between the two. Um, Do you wear a smartwatch? I'm trying to think what watch you wear. Yeah, so so I've I've been wearing... was wearing Huawei watches for, for a good few years and then last year I jumped over to the Pixel watch the very first one and it had its limitations the battery wasn't amazing and it kind of slightly limited in its health features not that I'm a mad fitness or gym gym uh, gym person to be honest but now I'm currently using and reviewing the, the Pixel watch 2 um, which will be up on the site in a couple of days but yeah look at it, it's much more robust the battery is much better the, the processor is much faster, so it's just that more seamless, like you can actually appreciate the speed kind of um, the speed gains. And then, as I said, the, the, the health fitness aspect stuff where it's automatically tracking my walks and my somewhat runs. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm wearing the Pixel Watch 2 now and I'm, I'm genuinely enjoying it over the, its predecessor for sure. 
Yeah, I'm currently testing it as well because I wear I'm an iPhone user now. I don't know how yeah. it happened or why, but it did. Uh, but I also wear an Apple Watch, and so I've been going around with the two of them, basically one on each wrist. And it, like I have to say, the like the full review isn't done yet, but the bits that I really like are the bits that you ticked off. But it's also just a nice watch to wear because yeah. some of the like I had one of the Samsung watches recently. And it felt like I was wearing a satellite dish. It was too clunky. It wasn't comfortable. It looked a bit crap. Whereas the Google Watch just looks nice. Yeah, no, I I've, I paired it up with their kind of their, their official metal link band, like a proper chunky um, silver stainless steel metal um, band. So it looks like a proper um I well, just a proper watch for want of a better term. And but again, the smarts are there. It's got that circular face as opposed to the Apple's kind of more squared off look that you know it's pretty mm. instantly recognizable. Whereas I'm definitely more of a fan of this rounded, more classical look. Um, I personally would prefer a larger. I, I get what you mean by satellite kind of dish, dishes on your wrist. And but people, that was one of the things people were hoping for with this second generation of the watch that there'd be a larger model for what they say for you know. The, the male the male uh, audience or the larger armed audience um, that I would definitely be in favour of just to have a bigger screen to see more content. But that said, it's still a fantastic display that's on this on this current uh, version. Mm, uh, so you'll have your full review up on the effect.net shortly, but you already have your review or your first impressions of the Google Pixel 8 devices. So just talk me through what they announced and the difference between the 8 and then the Pro. Yeah, so we got the 8 Pro, the, the, the kind of the flagship device there um, at the middle of last week. So we have a review live on the effect.net and I've been having an absolute ball with it. I've been using the 7 Pro for the last year and then quickly moved on to the 8 Pro when, it, when I collected it for review. And this really can be seen as Google's first big, strong AI-powered smartphone. It's, it's kind of like they have bumped up the screen, which is a fantastically bright 20... 2400 nits people mightn't give a crap about that but the brightness is is spectacular the color reproduction so the display the speakers have got a an improvement so they're more rounded they're more robust over the pixel 7 pro um that in in itself is it makes it a really enjoyable device for watching media on but then it's really all about the cameras you know not only are have google upgraded the hardware with a brand new kind of 50 megapixel a larger sensor for the main lens they've got a 48 megapixel sensor in the wide lens the ultra wide should i say and then the, the telescope lens uh, which is a five times optical is a 48 megapixel so you've got a good kind of suite of hardware lenses on the back of this device but it's really where Gar- Google's AI uh, specs come into play here because they've really kind of blown out kind of competitors out of the water with what they're calling their magic editor because we may have spoke about it in the past the magic eraser Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've where you kind of use you you could go in on a Pixel device and now most devices that subscribe to Google's One Storage, and that they use the Google uh, Photos app, you can actually go in there with your subscription to Google One and actually use the Magic Eraser software. So it's kind of cloud based. It's very m- impressive and you know it was really nice party piece for people. But now with this new Magic Editor only on the Pixel 8 Pro and Pixel 8, um, the smaller version of the phone, that you can go in and basically completely manipulate the image to your heart's content. You can move things around, erase them, enlarge them, shrink them, duplicate them. It's just like Photoshop basically made for dummies, uh, built directly into the Google Photos app and I'm having an absolute ball and it really just gives me such kind of um, versatility and kind of peace of mind when I'm out and about with the phone to know I can really capture any photo I want and even after the fact change it to what I wanted it to be. So yeah, very impressive. But so I know that you're into your photography and even when you were away on your honeymoon like you were taking some incredible shots and all the rest but what I sometimes wonder is 
Are some of the features when it comes to cameras and editing and all the rest lost on the majority of people? Like, will, will the average person get to grips easily with the camera and get to grips easily with some of the editing tools and so on? Well, that's the thing, I guess, with Google and why they've kind of always come up the ranks and been positioned uh, from the from the beginning as just the one of the best camera phones out there is because they're smart. You don't have to use all the features to get the best out of the cameras because you take you. it's a it's a. Uh, point and shoot you take a photo of something you like and then the, the google the, the, the camera app or the phone itself will do the tidying up in the background it's really really hard to take a bad photo with a pixel and you know that sounds like a tagline because it is it's true you know everyone i've recommended the phone to has loved it to a certain extent because they can just kind of pop the phone open and they can have those if they need to jump into those editing features they may not be for everyone some people may never open that section of the phone's app but it's there if you kind of want to play around have you're not going to lose anything you can just edit and tweak and play but as you said, some of the, you know, maybe the vast majority of users may not use it. But for me personally, obviously, I do like to take a lot of photos and I like to play around with them a bit to kind of make them as good as they can be. But from the very get go, the camera hardware is so good. And then the little tricks that Google does the second you take a photo will be more than enough for most users. But the, 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 the software touches and the AI features are there if you'd like to use them. Yeah, I think I've said to you before that and I think you feel the same, like sometimes you can struggle to talk about what's cool or new about a new phone because you're like, the battery is better, the camera is better. But there's a friend of mine who has a shocking phone and every time they send me a picture, I'm like, Jeannie Mac, we need to get you a non-crap phone. But what I found with the Pixel is like, as you exactly said, you just take it out and you take it. Even if even if I take a picture, what like every day I go for a walk around Stephen's Green. And like, if I just take it out of my pocket as I'm walking and take a picture of the trees or whatever it is, the image is class. Like you don't have to stand there, tap the screen to focus, zoom in a little bit or anything like that. It is just point and shoot at whatever pace or movement or whatever it is that you want. Yeah, no, it's it, it that's they've kind of become and it rightfully so the kind of the what would I say, the iPhone version of an Android or the mm-hmm. Android version of an iPhone, should I say? It's because, you know, iPhones are globally popular because they're so simple to use. They're kind of, it, it, you know, it's really easy entry point and that's kind of similar with Pixel. It's just very user-friendly, very smart. It helps you through the phone, helps you through your day and then when you're using the camera, it just does the work for you. So it really is building that rapport with with the with consumers that they're like, yeah, actually, it just feels like it, it's much more, less friction than I need for when I want to take a photo and kind of share with my friends. And it's a nice picture, as you said. The amount of times I see people, like you said, sending me crap photos, and I'm just like, God, get off that potato, and we just buy yourself a right phone. <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it hurts my, it hurts my soul sometimes. But anyways, that's my problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're the same, John, and it makes me very happy. Um, what about in terms of the performance? Because again, you and I are quite similar in that we do a fair bit of work from our phones as well as just having the crack and whatever. Um, what's the performance like in terms of speed and in terms of battery? Yes, so with the latest version of this Pixel, the 8 and the 8 Pro have been upgraded to Google's very own Tensor chip. So it's the G3, or basically the third generation of this chip. It's kind of, again, all AI-focused, AI-forward. And then the processing is there too. So with the 8 Pro in particular, you're going to get 12 gigs of RAM, which to most people are like, why do you need that much RAM on a phone? But it really does add add up when you're trying to jump around apps, jump around calls, especially the AI editing stuff, that RAM really does kind of do a lot of the heavy lifting to help kind of speed processes up when you're taking low light photos as well. It speeds that process up so you're waiting less time with your phone kind of, you know, sometimes you have to hold it still for ages on older phones just to get that night shot, night light shot. But on this phone, it's very, very quick. Uh, battery got a tiny little bump, so it's now 50,050 50 milliamps 
yeah, that's 50-50, yeah, 50,000 and 50 milliamps, uh, so just that bit bigger. And with this new processor, I'm definitely seeing some battery gains too, because it's just a bit more power efficient. Google itself, in terms of Android 14, the latest vo version of Android is now running on this device. So that in itself, paired with the new chip, the 12 gigs of RAM, the slightly larger battery, yeah, we're definitely getting much better battery life um, than I was previously on, especially the Pixel 6 Pro, not so bad on the 7 Pro, but now the 8 is really kind of pushing forward with kind of giving you that all day battery life that you'd expect from a flagship. Yeah, I, I, I'm still compiling my thoughts. We'll be talking about it in depth on Tuesday's Pat Kenny show, but I have to say, like I was the biggest Samsung fanboy that ever existed. And bit by bit over the years, I think the S22 really let me down in terms of performance when I went out and bought it. I was a bit like, ugh. The Pixel has just consistently impressed me from the top end, so the Pro versions, right down to the A versions. Like the Google yeah. Pix uh, 6, sorry, the Google Pixel 6A or 7A or whatever the A versions have been, have been consistently great for around 500 quid and they are just knocking it out of the park. Yeah, no, again, they're using all the smarts. It's the it's the, it's the perfect case of learning what they know from their, their flagships and filtering down to, for a cost-effective version to those A models. So we're currently on the 7A. Uh, as you'd imagine, there's going to be an 8A at some point in the near future next year. But yeah, that, that they're kind of honing, getting rid of the, the, the flourishes, the fancy metal bodies, whatever it may be, to give people the, the features they want at a, be, at a better price point. So those A models are the, probably one of the most easiest phones to recommend. And I'd say you're the same for people that come mm -hmm. looking for recommendations. And yeah, you know, even now with the 8, um, we, we're going to have a review up in the next couple of weeks, the kind of the smallest sibling of the A Pro. That, as I said, has the same processor, the same main lens or the main camera lens as the A Pro and a lot of the kind of the AI features you can come to expect from, from these new devices. So that's coming in at, I think it's, Oh, I want to say 799. So it's not cheap, obviously, but for mm -hmm. something that you want to get all those kind of camera smarts compared to the likes of the new iPhone 15 Pros and the Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultras, you can kind of get a lot of those kind of wow features for a much better value. So again, they have those three price points matched or paired off um, that they can really be sitting in all those categories quite nicely and confidently. Yeah. Yeah, look, we'll come back to this phone because and to what Google is doing in terms of hardware because it is so impressive. But uh, we weren't going to talk about gaming this week. But then when I was texting you, there was a bit of breaking news in terms of the Microsoft Activision Blizzard dealio. Uh, before we talk about the news, can you just recap this story and what's been going on? Yeah, so this is kind of Microsoft continuously trying to position themselves as strongly as possible in the gaming ecosystem in the gaming world because you know they have the xbox and they have their own in-house um developers and then they went and bought bethesda a uh, kind of a huge uh, developer there a couple of years ago in 2021 2022 um and as i said starfield was one of the big titles that came out there a couple of weeks ago and it's been a, a great success for microsoft thanks to this acquisition only on xbox so now this is again another play, quite a, one of the biggest players ever, really, by, by Microsoft to kind of really own a, a large uh, share of the gaming market and mainly the mobile gaming market, surprisingly, not necessarily focused on, you know, there's going to be gains to be made in the kind of console and PC because this company they're buying, Activision Blizzard, um, they're buying them for $69 billion. So it's not, <laughs> it's not small change. And this was announced originally back in January 2022. So fast forward now 20 months. Here we are in October 2023. There's been so many 
roadblock Sony initially with their PlayStation really wanted to kind of bury this kind of potential acquisition in the in the in the in the ground didn't happen then the the FTC in the US and now as of recently, the CMA or the Competition and Markets Authority in the UK, they really were putting some uh, roadblocks on this getting over the line until Microsoft uh, willingly or kind of met them at the at the at the negotiation table. Said, "Look, you're worried that we're going to try and m- monopolize the cloud gaming market here. We're happy to sell off the the cloud gaming rights to any Activision games that we get from this acquisition to Ubisoft, a third party developer." And that seemed to appease CMA or the the, the Competition Markets Authority enough in the UK to actually approve this. Uh, acquisition. So come the 18th of October, which was the deadline, the new deadline that both Microsoft and Activision agreed upon for this deal, we can see these two massive entities becoming one. And uh, the, the real work will start then really once kind of they start to embed with each other. But yeah, this is a huge day for gaming in terms of mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. And I do wonder what's going to happen next then from, you know, Sony's point of view, like is is there any form of comeback? Are we going to see them now coming out of the traps, trying to pull something big out of the bag, or is it just deal with it and move on? I think it's all it's all to play for. Like there's you just like if you were to say this back in you know December 2021 that Microsoft would buy Activision, you're like 69 billion dollars. Are you mental? That it just if this if this can happen, anything can happen really because it's such a huge acquisition in the gaming world. Sony could come out and just I don't know who who like Rockstar who developed. Grand Theft Auto, like people be like, there's no way Rockstar will sell to um a, to a company like Sony, but anything can happen. So yeah, they're definitely going to be. They, they they wanted this to die, this acquisition. So they're not going to be happy that it's over the line. There was a lot of um, what, what did I say? Kind of edits and changes made to the negotiations that kind of would hamper the overall impact that Microsoft mm-hmm. probably were expecting. But as I said at the start, this really was a mobile play. They wanted to get King Mobile. These guys developed the likes of Candy Crush, which is one of the most downloaded and played mobile games in the world. We've all heard of Candy Crush. Our mothers have played it. Everyone's played it. So that there's that kind of play into the mobile gaming because that's where the money is really in the long term. You know, people that are casual gamers, not like myself, you know, hardcore with the consoles and the big TVs. People are on the bus. They want, you know, Microsoft want a piece of that pie. And this is kind of what this act, this this acquisition is is pushing towards. And uh, they could be developing their very own app store to compete with the the Apple's app store, the Google Play store. It could become that kind of um, that groundbreaking in what Microsoft are trying to achieve with this. Yeah, it's big news. Yeah, it is big news, and I just think the the competition and the like if you look at what's been going on in the US over the last few years with the antitrust hearings and looking at the impact that big tech has um, particularly like the same four or five players yeah. I'm kind of surprised that this has been greenlit in Microsoft's favour to be completely honest with you well, I get, yeah, as I said, they made a lot of, um, I can't think of the term, obviously, when they changed the contract to kind of appease the different regulators, they they, mm. they, they, they made the edit to cloud gaming and and kind of writes about Call of Duty was a big, because uh, Activision is the developer for Call of Duty, one of the biggest, you know, first person shooters, online titles in the world. And people were worried that it'd become an Xbox exclusive and Sony and PlayStation fanboys were losing their mind. But they have struck a deal for a 10 year um, agreement to make sure that Call of Duty appear, continues to appear on PlayStation consoles and even 
um, Nintendo, I think, are in in the running here to, for their new console whenever it emerges next year, and the Nintendo Switch Two that we could see a Call of Duty title, which would be pretty unprecedented. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a case of it 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 is surprising that it's such a huge merger ha- is has been a, a, agreed, but they did make a lot of changes to make sure it it worked out for them in the end. So, yeah, I think it's going to help competition. It may, some people might say there's no chance, but it will kind of shake up the market. It'll kind of bring in other competitors. It'll make Sony kind of go we might need to create our own first-person shooter to com- to compete with uh, Call of Duty now, and that will create more more development uh, studios and more kind of investment into first-person shooters, all that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a, it's a moving beast, but it, it's probably good for gamers as a whole, to be honest. Yeah, and talking of good for gamers, uh, obviously we are in October, and not long after October will come December, which is Christmas month. And that means that a whole lot of big titles are coming out and you've had the very tough job of reviewing them all. Uh, what has been on your hit list over the last wee while? Yeah, so recently we just put up our Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty review. So, you know, this game, its we, we don't even need to go on about it too much, but it had its <laughs> issues when it launched in 2020 and it seems to be the redemption child of the moment with this new DLC starring Idris Elba. So for people that have the original title, they can pick up this DLC for 30 euro, I think it's coming in at. It's on just the new gen console. So the PS5, Xbox Series S and X, and then it's on PC. It's just so good. It's just like a movie for 30 euro that you can play with a Giselle It's just so immersive. The visuals are just top notch on these new consoles. And I, you know, I can't wait to kind of, you know, get back stuck into the, the little side missions and the bits I missed when I finished my main review. It's up on theeffect.net. Please give it a read. It's just, yeah, it, it's definitely the redemption story. Of, of our time for a title mm. that was so maligned and so hated for how badly it launched. So well done to the developer CD Projekt Red for bringing out such a great expansion for their title. Yeah, so I'm loving that. We're currently in the middle of our review of Assassin's Creed Mirage. So one of Ubisoft's biggest franchises. It's a smaller title now, so it's about 50 quid. So it's cheaper than the usual 80, 90 euro madness that people are charging you know, for these larger 100 euro, oh, sorry, 100 hour titles that you kind of have to spend weeks and weeks and weeks playing. This is the kind of a 35 hour, 40 hour max title that you can just kind of follow the storyline, pop in, pop out, get it done. 50 euro, Bob's your uncle. You're set in ninth, it's set in ninth century Baghdad. And it's kind of, it harks back to the original Assassin's Creed kind of formulas where you're kind of sneaking about these, these highly developed little kind of neighborhoods parkouring all over the buildings. I'm having a ball playing it. As I said, our review will be live on the site soon, but yeah, it's, it's, get, it's getting good reviews already. And I'm looking forward to getting our review on the site as well. Okay, brilliant. And I need to ask you because um, Harry, who's the game whisperer in my life, he's dying to get his hands on Spider-Man 2. Um, I know you probably can't say too much about it, but uh, give us the premise of Spider-Man 2. How different is it from all the other Spider-Men? Yeah, so this is, I can't say too much, as you said, um, we're reviewing it for the embargo, which lifts this Monday, October 16th. Um, it'll be live on the site in the evening time, I think it's 6pm. Um, yeah, it's just kind of, Spider-Man originally launched in 2018 on the PS4 as an exclusive, blew up in terms of popularity. This is the official sequel. We had Miles Morales in 2020, which is kind of a semi-sequel. This is all bells and whistles coming out exclusively on PS5 on October 20th. This kind of amps everything up to 11. More enemies, more visuals, more graphics, more storyline, more everything. So I, you know, I can un- I can understand uh, Harry's excitement, and we are enjoying ourselves a lot playing this. So keep an eye on theeffect.net for the full review. Awesome stuff. It'll be there on Monday. John Riley, as always, thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thanks, Jess.